We are Unseen Artists, and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And this week, we are going to talk about split personalities and the consequences of becoming a monster, better known as Jekyll and Hyde. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, Jekyll and Hyde is a story about a man who, for different reasons, depending on which adaptation you're reading or watching, um, takes a poison or medication to get to the root of good and evil and eventually loses himself in the evil of everything so this show we are talking about we're going to talk about the stage version which was written by leslie brickus based off of the novel there the novella by robert louis stevenson the The stage musical stage musical sorry yes um the music was written by Frank Wildhorn. So the lyrics were by Leslie Brickus and Steve Cuden. And then the concept was brought about by Cuden and Wildhorn. There were, over the years, a few different versions. The show premiered April 28th of 1997 at the Plymouth Theater, which in 2005 became what we know of it today as Gerald Schoenfeld Theater. It was nominated for four Tonys, although it did not win any robbed i know i know i really should have won something um i didn't check what it was up against though so i don't know if maybe that was just a tough year we should start Um, looking at that when we i know these things because i'm always (laughs) like and i have no idea what they were up against (laughs) no idea probably like the most iconic show ever was one that year (laughs) we'll never know um there's no way to know there's no way to know and so There are plenty of versions of this musical from tours, revivals, etc. And so specifically the ones we took a look at were the 1995 U.S. tour, which is kind of where it all started, 95 to 96. And then it premiered, like, like I said, on 97 and went through 2001. And so we also took a look at the original version on Broadway. And then we took a look at the 2001 version that was for the DVD recording. And some notable people who were in these roles that we did not watch their versions. We just, maybe just pieces. Uh, David Hasselhoff played as a replacement Jekyll and Hyde um, for the DVD version. And then Sebastian Bach from Skid Row also was a replacement Jekyll and Hyde which I find interesting I I have not seen his version but I would find it interesting that he could play a the Jekyll side of very well he's got a lot more Hyde in him well it all comes down to acting which is why I think it's funny that David Hasselhoff played this character but um, I also want to note for other Broadway people, because you might not know who she is, but I certainly do. Um, Kelly O'Hara it was an understudy for Emma, which is like she's just a very iconic Broadway actress. So I'd have to look at where this sits in her career, because I wonder if it was like or er- like a little bit earlier or or what. But she's um, God, she's incredible. I've definitely um, heard her name. Do you yeah. have like what's the most recent thing she was in or one of her most iconic roles? Something that stands uh, out for you? She's coming back to to Broadway um, in something soon, but I got to see her live for the first time in Nice Work If You Can Get It 
um, which was a, a, it's another Gershwin musical and there are like a thousand of them, but it was a new musical on Broadway in like 2012, maybe? Was that my first visit to New York? Maybe it was like 2016, somewhere around there in the 2010-ish time. And so it was her and uh, Matthew Broderick. Uh, that I got to see and we were like in the third row and it was incredible <laughs> um, because they were so close but yeah yeah so she uh, was Tony nominated for Light in the Piazza uh, Pajama Game South Pacific nice work if you can get it Bridges of Madison County and Kiss Me Kate oh um, was Kiss Me Kate her more recent one on Broadway uh, 2019 so yeah I feel like I feel like I remember maybe that's why I recognize her name I did not see it, obviously, um, which we'll talk about in a few oh, weeks. Yeah. But... Now, that I'm, now that I'm looking at this, uh, yes, Jacqueline Hyde was one of her earlier her earlier roles. So she came in and did was an understudy for Emma. So yeah. Anyway, she's freaking incredible. Um, so yeah, if she's coming, she's supposed to be coming back in something. So we should go see it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we will definitely add it to the list. Um, <laughs> so like I said, we watched... So I watched the pre-Broadway and the 2001 DVD release. And then you watched pre-Broadway, original Broadway and 2001 DVD release. What yes. stuck out for you between these three versions? Um, It's interesting to me that it seems like there were like bigger changes through the course of Broadway rather than like from its opening to its... um to its closing on Broadway than between that like pre-Broadway run. I mean, I've seen this happen a few times because like uh like with Wicked, which we haven't talked about yet, but we will eventually. Um, I saw that a bunch of times, um, you know, from when it started uh, different tours. Um, and so that was one of the things that I noticed from like the first tour that I saw, like the very first national tour and then like one of the later tours um was that they did like this big uh revamp of like the orchestrations um and so it was like everything was the same but just some of the like musicality of it was different like bigger or smaller or whatever um <clears throat> and adjusted and so i noticed that and so it's kind of i guess kind of that same thing to me when i was like listening to um or watching but like I, i'm mainly talking about like it musically is like the big changes that i noticed they had kind of changed some of the musicality things from that initial uh because i it's always sort of been like not quite an operetta um because it does have scenes but most of like it's more than just a musical because the the music is really a driving force for the plot um and so much of it is like underscored in um you know even the the scenes sort of have music and they'll have kind of their conversations like through through song but i feel like they kind of like added more or they changed i don't know they changed something between the original broadway and the um and that like dvd um or video recording that they were doing um in 2001 that sort of like i don't know it's like the music that they had for those scenes that they kind of switched up didn't seem to flow as well with the rest 
of the music because I feel one of the interesting things about this music and that I love is that it really helps set the tone. Um, it's all very, you know, dark um, and kind of keeps you in this like ominous kind of spooky, gothic kind of kind of mood throughout. And so some of these little in in between pieces with the music didn't quite do that for me. So that was uh, just kind of an interesting change that I noticed. There were not major changes, I feel like, between the pre-Broadway and the Broadway version. They did change out a couple of songs, um, which is which is pretty common. I think I've talked about this before, too, with like Some Like It Hot when I saw it in Workshop versus when it opened on Broadway. You know, they, they took out a song and, you know, switched some things around. And so that is is pretty common it's almost like these pre-tours um which a lot of times shows will tour uh in the U.S. and especially like play in you know Philadelphia or Boston Connecticut you know whatever they'll they'll you know go around in the um in New England and uh yeah they'll sort of like I don't know, like see what kind of responses that they get to things and like make adjustments and really still be like working on it um, as they're doing things or making notes to, you know, change things if they go to Broadway or if they do another tour or whatever. Um, so that's that's pretty common. I wasn't that that surprised. It didn't seem that major to me um, yeah. for for seeing that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think the um, I think they did it right with the original broadway with some of the adjustments that they made and what they needed to do and so that one was definitely my favorite and it's still you know i might be biased because that is the the original broadway recording is what i have you know on my phone and i have the cd in my car and you know i i've listened to it uh eight thousand times and i you know it's one of my favorite musicals and so i yeah maybe i'm just partial to that because i know it so well um, but I think it's the best also. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't see the original, original Broadway cast in 97, but the one I watched is going to be a lot closer than the Broadway tour, the pre-Broadway tour, even though, it, I mean, again, there weren't huge changes, but some of the things that we had mentioned talking about the musicality is they yeah. did dramatize it a bit more. And you see that in, um, one specifically that people talk about a lot is murder, murder, and so uh, that's my favorite song it gets <laughs> i so this is full well, is my first time ever watching the show i have never seen it until well i watched it a few weeks ago but like until now yeah. i haven't seen it and so i watched the 2001 first and then i watched the pre-broadway and i was like it really feels like it lost a lot of like movement and a lot of like pulling you in when you go to this really understated murder murder and yeah. i was like you really need the drama there like you need that feel and so I was really glad that they did add in so much more and it would make it feel so much bigger and um they changed a couple of other songs they took out one song that I've already forgotten the name of oh there was another one bring on the men no the other one they so they took out they changed bring on the men to good and evil which again I heard good and evil first before I heard bring on the men and not nothing gets bring on the men but I really liked Good and Evil. It was yeah. the first song that stuck out to me, my first watch through. That was the one that 
really caught my eye. I mean, murder, murder, of course, like you hear it, you know, it's there. You can't not, but, um, but it was the one good and evil. I thought it was lyrically really well done. I thought it was really well. Like the music was performed well, the tone was really well done. And so I love that one. And then they did cut another, I think it was just another ensemble scene for the women. Um, but I not, I didn't miss it when I saw it in the original, I was like, Oh, this wasn't in the other one. And that's okay. Like it wasn't because again, it was, everything felt very mild to me in the first one, um, in the pre-Broadway. And I, I saw a lot of mixed reviews on that. I read a lot of reviews just over time. And a lot of people were saying like the original felt so much more like Gothic or dark. And by the time we got to Broadway, it was almost a joke and people found it funny and it wasn't as nearly as dark. And I was like, I feel like sure. There were some elements that were not as well done maybe, but for the most part, I felt like it was much darker and much more intense. And I think that had to do with the music on Broadway as opposed to pre-Broadway. They so, like made it fuller. I feel yeah. like a lot of it, because um, it wasn't other than like the 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 replacement kind of songs. Um, they didn't really change. You know, they didn't really change the music. They just like expanded it. I guess, um, <clears throat> which I always find really interesting. Um, anyway, and I don't know if part of that is like a, a money thing. You know, maybe they have a smaller you know orchestra in those early yeah. ones than they than they do on Broadway or whatever but yeah it definitely with the mood although i i do feel like the original was was dark it just wasn't um or like the original concept i guess but mm-hmm. it just it needed that kind of fullness um to to kind of take it over into that next like edge or whatever yeah i i mean i always think music adds another element that without it you wouldn't fill the heart even though even if it's not necessarily a musical it just has like musical compositions in the back or something like sounds that bring into it there's always something in that element um that brings a little bit more out another scene that was changed over that people had feelings about was in the pre-broadway um jekyll is looking in a mirror as he's transforming and you see the the face-to-face transformation of from Jekyll to Hyde and that's where their like confrontation is whereas in the Broadway one he just like flips his hair back and forth and that's how he and a lot of people made a joke about it and I could see it (laughs) they were just like he's just flipping his hair it's all he's doing and like I could see it but a lot of it was also like that people couldn't they couldn't line up the pre-recorded video correctly with the stage performance and maybe that's something that we have better technology to do like today I don't know I mean this wasn't that long ago it was 20 years ago it wasn't 100 years ago um and so maybe there's a better way to do it now that that would actually play out but apparently most of the performances were not lining up correctly when they tried to do it face to face like that well you know how I feel about technology and the overuse of technology in theater anyway and I feel like you just have to have like I get it when you're sort of like oh he's just kind of flipping his hair back and forth and it's funny because I watched that version so I actually watched most 
of it but that section sort of at the end of that number where he's doing the back and forth and back and forth like line to line and it's like yes he is just flip but part of it is like the acting of it too and you have that suspension of disbelief with theater and that's one of the things that Mm -hmm. i love is that you need to you need to kind of be ready to 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 believe this sort of thing and it was interesting because i did watch the david hasselhoff recording of it and the um rob evans uh rehearsal broadway recording of it and it's just like rob evans has is such a strong actor for that part that it was like he it wasn't just like the light and like other things that they sort of did you know they had like more of the the blues um on the hide side and like the actual like bright light on the on the jekyll side and you know he did have sort of his partially you know his hair kind of pulled back on the the one side so that it was still back and then sort of out but that was one of the things that i noticed you know i think the first time that i ever saw the show which was like probably the first tour after broadway no it wasn't the tour because i didn't see a professional production it would have been whenever they released the rights it was either it was either a community theater or like a regional theater so it might have been a semi-professional production but it was yeah probably in like 2000 ish somewhere around that time and uh or like 2002 whatever um but i was like you know 12 or 10 or something um somewhere around there and so um but that was one of the things that I noticed. It's just like, it's so simple, but so effective um, to go just between. And it's something like when I did uh, Titanic, I played two different characters. And one of the things that I did was change my hair to like help that transition. And it's something that's really simple, but can be really, really effective to show, you know, the differences. And for like these two characters, you have like very, um, you know, straight laced kind of doctor. And so his hair is tied back and it's, you know, sleek. And then you have like this wild, crazy, um, you know, hair sticking up all over the place for Hyde. Right. And it's like very simple, but it's also, you know, the facial expressions and stuff like Jekyll is much it like a smoother face versus like this wild and crazy kind of fire thing that you're getting with Hyde. And so it's just like, it's all these little things, but when you add them together, I feel like it really works. And even for something that's so, you know, so back and forth, which is like very challenging. And I have thought that every single time that I watch a production of this, I think, wow, it's gotta be one, Mm -hmm. like exhausting to play that part like can you imagine doing that eight shows a week like in two two in a day that's probably one of those parts where there are a lot of people who like always have understudies like at the wednesday matinee and the saturday (laughs) matinee or like always have understudies on the sunday or whatever like there are some actors and some parts that just really require that um Avita is another one that's just very vocally um exhausting and so it's you could really strain your voice your body all of that kind of stuff you know doing that many shows which is really something to talk about with the way that Broadway treats performers anyway with that expectation to be able to do eight shows um of anything but especially with things that are so um vocally physically demanding 
Um, I think that of like the play that goes wrong also and how physical that is and yeah. doing two shows and, you know, just all of these things, you know, like I, I feel like having uh, a um, equity caught requirement in all of the dressing rooms doesn't quite cover, <laughs> doesn't quite do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, doesn't, yeah. doesn't quite even out. Okay, well, you have a, you for certain have a cot for you to nap on. So you, we can demand anything of you, but anyway, that's a different conversation to have. Yeah. But just looking at this, this character, these two characters, really, that, that, that one person is playing and then doing it with basically no transition time, you're flipping, Mm -hmm. it it feels, I don't know. I feel like you just get more like, yeah, it doesn't look as cool or whatever, but you're also getting so much more out of it when they're doing it live like that back to back rather than you're basically acting with a pre-recorded version of yourself, which is like weird. And also, I mean, it makes the confrontation more confrontational, Mm -hmm. but any of the other transitions that you see, you know, they don't use a mirror in any of the other you know that like he when he switches from character to character and then especially when you get into that final scene of that in that wedding scene as he sort of like takes over and then you you can see that which is it's much subtler but i think Mm -hmm. that it calls it back to to that moment where he's arguing with us with himself not in a mirror but you know doing the back and forth thing i feel like that sort of helps you get that interesting end scene also where you can then see that fight happening between the two of them again on who's going to take over um and then into the death and so um sorry i spoiled it if you haven't read the book or seen the or like just couldn't figure out where this was going um (laughs) murder murder is the opening act two number there's a lot of murder Murder. that happens in this show yeah um it yeah i don't know like i I can see the argument for that like it might be more interesting to watch you know with this mirror thing and maybe there's something to be said like you have an un well but then they wouldn't really be an understudy like you could have you know um like one of the understudies or swings who's in the ensemble like be on the other side so that there's a still a person there like i don't know but then it again yeah. you're taking you know there, there's a lot of things you could do to i guess if you wanted to make that work and take away the technology aspect of it um which is another thing that they do in evita there's an early version of evita in this like plethora of things that are happening in a in a version and it always has to be the understudy or so, you know some one of the ensemble yeah. people it can't be the the one who's also in the scene over here you know like so there's things like that that happen in shows but um i don't know i I don't think that that would necessarily make the impact better yeah i uh i i do agree with that and i was thinking about that when i was watching it too because i like i could see being so impactful that you could see the face face to face while you're seeing it but at the same time i think you i like you were saying i think you miss out on seeing the acting capabilities of whoever's in that role at the same time because I know after watching both of them that I thought Rob Evans was like a 10 times better actor and I don't know that he was but that one scene stood out so much to me that it made me feel like that version 
with him in that role was so much better than any other version. And I think, so I think it does add a lot to it, even though it is like a quote unquote simple movement, you are just turning, you're doing this, but like you said, there's no transition time. So he can't change from, he can't even like, like clear his throat to transition from one character into another. It's just like immediate. And it's, it's pretty incredible to watch. Um, well, and he did a really good job too. Cause, cause the, um, the pre that first tour, the pre Broadway tour, mm-hmm. he was great. Also that actor, he was the, um, original Broadway as well. He also, okay. Broadway. So, mm-hmm. so he was great also. Um, but I think that Rob and, and part of this might just be like a vocal thing. Cause it's, it is challenging to, to change your voice a bunch of times like that in mm-hmm. while singing in the middle of this whole thing. Right. Like that. And I was thinking that too um he did and and the original broadway guy did this too like the sort of like huskier hide um uh deeper kind of groveliness i guess of his voice as hide to make him like this this darker character um well he was able to transition rob evans was able to transition between those two the like higher um jekyll and the more grovelly um hide pretty seamlessly also um which might just be like vocal training or it might just be something that he can do really well with his voice or whatever um but yeah he had a lot of like control on that um which was nice so yeah yeah he's absolutely incredible i was just i was just looking and i was like i wonder if he's playing or has played anything else that was big it looks like he did he was uh jean valjean jean valjean i never say his name right maybe after i watched i will those i guess jacqueline hyde and lemez are his two like big performances but he's done other things south pacific stuff like that he did little shop of horrors in 2004 yeah i guess his most recent thing was 2014 he was in atomic which is an off-broadway musical um, about the manhattan project interesting okay yeah. So I guess he's not like super active today, but you know, he, he did a lot. He did a lot. So it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. He's very talented. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So great. one of the things we talked about was how much the music added to this show and made it feel so much darker and made it feel more intense and you were connected to it. So I mm-hmm. think you had mentioned that there is a straight play about, jack the ripper that's similar oh no um there's uh so the original the original adaptation of uh the strange case of dr jekyll and mr hyde like the very first stage mm-hmm. adaptation um was in like 1880 something uh 1887 yeah six it was the book came out in 1886 yeah, so it was like the first, you know, like right after it ended up being, I think that when they published that short story, it they were mm-hmm. a little bit nervous because it, especially for that that time period, it was very dark and scary. And it's kind of funny, it, you know, lo- reading it with a modern lens now and how sort of, um, you know, horror genres and, and gore and all of the stuff that we have now, we're kind of desensitized to, yeah. um, to a lot of horror. And then even like 
you have like Stephen King who writes these like very horror type of novels versus like this novella is very tame, but it was terrifying people at the time. So you have that, but it was very popular. Like, so clearly this was like a very early, you know, into horror. I mean, we had like Frankenstein, I guess, kind of uh, is like an early sci-fi, but you can kind of look at that as like yeah. horror too. Um mm-hmm. And again, we get more adaptations later that become, you know, much darker and, and more horror-esque than the original version. But, um, and these, the, this, I guess, could be considered like sci-fi too. But um, anyway, it was it was really popular. And so they put this stage adaptation on. And so, um, and that was really popular. But what ended up happening is because in that same time period was when Jack the Ripper was going and in in london and so um it started terrifying people and i'm not saying that our law enforcement system is any better now but it it was not you know not great then that actors in the show were started becoming suspects in the jack the ripper case because the can only connection that they could make was they're like okay well you play a murderer so you must <laughs> you know t- to play a murderer you must you know be a murderer or have, have murder like someone. they didn't they didn't have anywhere to go with it and they didn't have you know there wasn't dna and things like that so they're yeah. like trying to go off of any hunch that they can and you never know you know as people get nervous and our brains are not perfect you know memory boxes you know recording devices so you start like your brain starts making connections right and so somebody could see something and then the thing that they think of is you know oh they also saw this production of Jekyll and Hyde and there was a killer there and they looked the same so it might have been you know like all of these things are happening right and so yeah the the production was forced to close because of all of this stuff that was happening with Jack the Ripper at the oh. time. And so that also kind of brings into it of like, there's definitely the separation between reality so crazy. and when things are real and, and when, you know, when they're just hypothetical, you know, and things that, that don't bother you. And so, and I think, you know, that can, can bring us to this whole trigger warning thing that we have now, right. Where people are getting upset about, you know, too many trigger warnings and stuff, but it's like, if you are not affected by something, some kind of issue, then you don't understand how it can really deeply affect people who have experience with it or whatever, you know, like I watch all of these like true crime documentaries and all of these things. And I find it really interesting because, um, I just find like motivation and the mind and, and, and reasoning mm-hmm. and stuff like that really interesting. So like, and that's a lot of the reason why I kind of like a lot of this true crime stuff is I like, I'm like, why, like, why are people doing the things that they do? Um, and like yeah. serial killers and stuff like that. And like when, when they talk to them, but anyway, I feel like if I have, you know, if I've been murdered well not murdered but like if i had been you know kidnapped or like or part of some kind of you know crime um it i did you know it took a really long time for me to be comfortable enough in a place to not be like re-traumatized by um rape scenarios after i was raped you know and so there's things like that that i feel like 
it brings all of that back up into question that is sort of like how how can we make these things like a safe space for people and let it be you know the the fiction that it is without you know re-traumatizing people or whatever and so i yeah i i, I, I took a little bit of a, a left turn here as we like went into this but i feel like it sort detour. of like feeds in, into it it does of you know like we should be it's something to consider when we're doing stuff like this and as we're you know less sensitized to things now but i feel like people are affected by things more now also because everything is everywhere that yeah, yeah and I, think I don't know this also lends itself a bit to the to the sense of like people like this stuff if like for these things like you were talking about this the serial killer stuff and true crime stuff because it also feels far far removed like yeah. i don't think i'm going to meet a doctor who is going to take a poison and become a different person and start killing everyone but there are people who are bipolar there are people with uh um schizophrenia dissociative schizophrenia dissociative identity disorders and so like these are real things and i think that's some of what like lent itself to the horror of the time is like they didn't have studies on those type of things people didn't understand schizophrenia as well as they do now i mean they still don't know it now but they understand more that it exists and how it works as a mental disorder as opposed to drugs at all the time sometimes drugs too but um and so well, now and when psychopathy we see horror, too yeah and but like now when we see horror it's like stuff that can't happen or isn't relative to real life and so that's why some of these things came off as so much scarier because one it was something that could happen in real life that no one understood why it happened and and i think that's why like you know demon stories and ghost stories are still some of the scariest things that people are affected by because you know those are still things people don't feel like they have a good enough answer to yeah. whatever it is but like serial killers at least we've seen a lot of these documentaries now we've seen inside the minds and we feel like we're better prepared to counteract that um yeah. whereas and i feel like they didn't yeah and i feel like there's also a difference like when you're just sort of like reading and kind of what i said too is like it it, it is fairly tame and i don't know how the how dramatic this original you know stage production was um there have been a ton of different play yeah. versions um but what is interesting about this jekyll and hyde musical is it does take you know like it, just looking at it from you know book to 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 stage it there's a lot more to it 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 does get darker and and closer you're like seeing all of these things happen which there's just a difference between reading words versus like actually seeing something but then when you think about it like in the book that takes place over like years um there are months and months in between things you know it's not like this rapid succession like it is in it and they give you a time frame like it's like eight days for those four murders um or i guess it's technically three because two people work together or whatever but you know like the 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 time period of like within one week 
all of these things are happening, all of this horror. And so then I think that, it, you know, if they truncated the time in that original version too, or even just it can take place over that that still, you know, year year period, but you're watching it within, you know, a two hour time period that it's, you know, it makes everything seem so much more dangerous and like scarier yeah. when it's happening all at the same time. It's like why we have why we don't seem to fear in this in the US gun violence because you know a couple people or whatever are killed a day you know per day versus like mass shootings or like you know 911 you know these big things where it's like so many more people have been killed by gun violence but because it's been spread out over a long period of time we don't see it as a big as big of a threat as this one event this one moment that yeah. kills you know so many people um so i and think, see, I like think it also is, is it too you could also look at it sometimes the opposite with how horror scares you because like i feel like me watching the stage show i'm not nervous about it at all it does not bring me fear <laughs> but it is intense and i feel the intensity from it because it is so quick and it happens over time, but more, and the book itself isn't scary, but reading that type of book and were it to be a little scarier in the like language they used and the stories they told that would come out scarier to me because you have the suspense. You don't know when it's going to happen again. Whereas when you're watching something like this, you're like, yeah, they're going to die in like 20 minutes because that's how it has to go to make the show happen. Like, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes the book, and I see things in my head a lot more. I, I'm a writer, therefore yeah. I'm a reader and I see things that way. And so reading stuff almost always is going to scare me more than seeing it visually. And it has a lot to do with the suspense is it's going to take me, well, not this book specifically, but most books will take, you know, five or six hours to read. Whereas if I'm watching something, it's over in two hours, two and a half max. Like, and so, and I think that's just different types of people and different types of horror do different things too. Yeah. But yeah, so I would be very interested to see it. It did last for 20 years um, in London before it was shut down. And it yeah. was forever linked with Richard Mansfield's performance. He was the icon for that very first performance. Um, Yeah, yeah so, so it's just kind of interesting to, to see how, and I've talked about this before, but like life events, things that are happening in the world, directly impact theater um even if it's the same show so you know when it opened in 1887 and there was no jack the ripper yet it was not you know it didn't get viewed the same way as it did later you know so right it's interesting and yeah and so while we're talking about kind of how the the book and the original started in the book we have essentially three characters there are a few people here and there that don't really matter but it's the attorney um danvers and jekyll and hyde so those are your three main characters that is all you get so it develops over the time of him finding like they start seeing changes he starts seeing changes you start seeing letters from him coming out saying that edward hyde can have everything and it's going to his attorney who is like freaking out which is kind of how it starts in the stage show um but it just keeps going until eventually you see that he's run out of this quote-unquote poison and he's never going to be able to come back to himself um the stage show musical 
is obviously a little different because there are more cast members. Um, there are women, which is new to the story at all. Um, one of which being your favorite, Lucy. And she, like, while I love the book and I do think that the book is really well done and I think it unravels his mind in a way that a stage show can't grasp the same way, I think adding these other characters was an excellent element. It would not have been the same show without. It would have been much too slow. Well, and so there... do you want to talk about some of the other characters? I think all of the... I don't know, like there's this idea that you have to have like romance, uh, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I do think that it adds a lot to this story because it sort of makes, mm -hmm. it makes you feel more for him. The interesting thing about Lucy, which of course is the part that I have always wanted to play, but if I ever did the show, I'd probably end up playing Emma because that's more <laughs> in my vocal range anyway. Um, but I love like the, you see so much of Lucy and she is the only one that you see until you know the end um but she's the only one that interacts with both Jekyll and Hyde and sees them as two completely separate people and has two very different relationships with them um and so that's kind of an interesting thing because you see I think you get I don't know if this is intentional or if I just you know putting my own like thought spin on this but it, it's interesting to me because I think that you have Jekyll as Jekyll who comes and meets Lucy and is attracted to her and you know feel sorry for her and all of these things but he's engaged and so mm -hmm. I think it's this like you know I shouldn't be having these feelings these naughty sort of feelings that ends up being part of when Hyde comes out that's the extreme negativity of these feelings that come out and so he you know goes for lucy and he has this you know sexual relationship with her and is physically abusive to her hurts her um and she's you know you know she's a sex worker basically so like she is kind of in this situation where she doesn't feel like she can you know get away she doesn't feel like she can call the police uh, because you know he's rich and she's poor and like what do even now what do fucking police officers care about sex workers and and their protection and their you know so um and even worse then and in you know in a different country and all of these things so i think that you I, kind I of see this interesting to be it, it's it's interesting to see, you know, and who does she go to, to, you know, the only person that she knows that is a good person that could help her is, you know, she goes to Jekyll. And so she goes directly to the person who hurt her. Um, and it's sort of like interesting to see kind of as a, re a relationship mm -hmm. um, to these two parts of somebody, which of course are again, extremes because we all have, you know, the positive and the negative parts right. of us but it's interesting too because emma um you know for for a, a book that had no women in it to then create this this story and these new characters emma is not like a typical she is more of the ingenue character um the love interest but she's not like a typical ingenue like in a lot of musicals that kind of 
have no substance or just kind of this yeah. like one dimensional character she especially for the time period that this is set in she's a very strong woman she chose this man and while you know she has the relationship with her father and all you know she has these sassy comebacks to people she is very strong against this um it's not super explained but but um you get that the simon character is like a a former whether he was like an, an actual love interest to her or maybe he was just interested in marrying her or whatever and she turned him down she's like you know i i don't need a husband to control me i and to teach me and and train me into the ways of what like I need somebody who wants me for me and so she you know she has opinions and she states them and so that's like an incredible part of her character she's really Jekyll's strength like she's the only one that like I mean he has Saturni he has all these other people but she's the one who's like no matter what happens like we're gonna be okay I understand this is chaos and crazy and like she always kind of like supports him, but in using her strength, not in just like a like a submissive wife type way, you know? Right. And I find that very interesting and um and good. I think it's a good addition. Um yeah. and and they I and find- they add the, you know, the family dynamics too mm-hmm. with her father. Um, and the, um, there's like the political dynamic, which you get a little bit in the book, but there's like this political dynamic of like, he wasn't allowed to do this, you know, experimentation. He wanted to experiment on people. And the reason why he's doing it on himself is because he was told he wasn't allowed to, to experiment, to bring out, you know, this other side and see what these drugs would do. And, and he, you know is willing to risk all of this for his science and Um, that's one thing that i think i might actually like better in the book is that like you see here from the beginning you know he's doing this experiment everyone knows he's doing this experiment he's trying to do it on all these different people and he just does it on himself but in the book no one has any idea until the very end that this has been an experiment where he's been trying to figure out the separation of good and evil because um What's his name? The Utter, uh, Utters, what's his name? The attorney? Yeah, uh, Utterson or something. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So the attorney never can find Utterson. him to talk to him, Utterson. And he's always throughout the whole story, he just sees this Mr. Hyde. He talks to him and he's like, I don't understand why everyone's letting him in the house. And of course, the staff all know what's going on. And they are like, I mean, they know before Jekyll knows what's going on. And yeah. he's like, through this whole thing, and he's like, well now Jekyll's given all his money to this Hyde guy and I don't know what it is but he like actually interacts with Jekyll in the stage show whereas he never sees him in the book and at the very end we have that very last part where like we see all of Jekyll's like I guess thoughts about what's happening and he's talking to was that when he was talking to Danvers maybe um I don't remember who he gave his thoughts to but it wasn't the attorney because the attorney got everything from someone else and he never once spoke to anyone but Hyde and had no idea until he wrote his like last letter of like this is the last of my memory and here's what's happening um and I found that element really interesting and and I know it wouldn't have I don't think it would have hit the same way on stage as it does in a book but that was just a one of the big differences that I thought was very interesting to pay attention to especially because I feel like like no one really 
I mean, they saw Hyde, but they saw Hyde so much more in the book because he was the only one they saw in the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's interesting um, in the book, the way that it's told, because it's not really like you're getting his perspective, but he like he's not even really the main character or the narrator jack like jekyll and hyde it's hit it or jekyll i guess is really the 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 main one right like Mm -hmm. he it's not hit it is him telling the story but it's like through other people through his letters and his his journal and all of this stuff can't really do that sort of outside perspective as well on stage because you have to see you know what's happening um, but I think it's interesting to see how different characters interact with the the two different characters also yeah. with the Jekyll and the Hyde and um, and how they have such different reactions um, to them. And so, yeah, it's it's I don't know. I think it's uh, it, it comes back to, you know, the things that you have to do, like to adjust for the medium that you're working Mm -hmm. in but it's just it's fascinating to to kind of dissect it that way I guess and like really look at some some major changes but yeah and so then it also gives you know um the the murders are very interesting in the in the book or i'm sorry in the musical because it's motivated by you know the people that are on this board that were against his you know his experimenting and so here's the result of his experiment and so he's gonna go for them and so it's interesting because they don't see the pattern until yeah you know until it you know it's later they're like and that's part of the the song you know oh he's killing at will and it could be anybody and that's the horror of it right but when you're looking at it you know from this outside and knowing you know what what it is it's he's going back and he's killing all of these people and one by one and there's just that one teddy character who's like okay i finally figured out like he's coming for all of us i need to get away like you know thank god and like yeah. bad news from god teddy like it's like one of my favorite <laughs> like creepy ass things that happens yeah. because it's like yeah and i think that there's also i mean that that comes back to it too which is also relevant of the the, the time period and, and religion and all of that but i think it's interesting to see um kind of the comment on religion and science on religion and good and evil um that the show makes also um that's Mm -hmm. interesting so yeah good good and evil and everything the way it overlaps is one of my favorite themes in literature or film and tv just like in general yeah to look at and see how different people discuss it because it is so different depending on the time period, depending on the medium, depending on the writer, depending on, you know, the genre. And yeah. so I always find, and I, I feel like I see it. My my favorite indications are always in horror because they do flip it on its head a lot of the time. Um, yeah. And so I always really enjoy that. Um, so this play has had a gazillion adaptations mm-hmm. and whatnot with the stage musical. Have you seen any 
is there any impact you've seen from this story, whether it be from the original book, stage plays, or the musical that you've seen attributed to later works? I think there's definitely, it has its cultural impact. Um, the the book, I would say, um, more than mm-hmm. anything as the base, because it is like, when you think of sort of this duality or people having, you know, these two totally different sides, you know, um, it's very much like it always comes back to people are like, oh, yeah, the Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and so it is common enough, I think, in in vernacular that people understand, even if they've never read the book, you know, it, it really has. And I and part of it is probably that it was so popular when it came out and has had so many um, adaptations. It's interesting because I don't I haven't seen this musical done a ton. And again, it's, you know, it's a pretty big cast. You have to have a really good, strong actor um, to do the Jekyll and Hyde part. It takes place in, you know, we actually saw in these productions some interesting sets. They did the the fly-ins um, in the Broadway production for um, the set. It was pretty simple for the U.S. tour. It was a lot simpler and they would like bring kind of things in and out. But so it, it gets kind of complicated to do. You can have kind of a, a very simple base set, which is what they they did even on Broadway. All of the streets and all of these things are just kind of this neutral stage. Um, and then they would bring in, you know, different um, set pieces and stuff for, for certain scenes. But yeah, it just gets, you know, if you're going to have a bunch of extra stuff, you know, you have to have a big backstage area or a big whatever, yeah. you know, it adds... A lot of things for doing the show so i sort of understand why it doesn't get done super super often but it's just ugh, it's just so good and it's one of those like it's funny because i don't always like when the there's like one sort of theme tune that kind of goes through the whole show mm-hmm. and seeps into everything i feel like it doesn't always work but it really does in this one the facade kind of like tune that you just kind of hear like reprised 8,000 times mm-hmm. throughout the show but I think it just works to set that mood and bring back to that whole like yeah. the idea of you know everybody wearing a mask and is is hidden you know their their desires underneath whatever and um yeah it's I don't know I think that it hits I think it still has impact on everything, the whole the whole show and the concept of good and evil. And I feel like that a lot of things have kind of come, maybe not directly direct adaptations of it, but have sort of come out of this same story into different works, more sci-fi, more horror, horror. more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know who really liked implementing this in their works looney tunes they have (laughs) so many episodes of all of the different ones all of the different characters have had like a jekyll and hyde episode at some point um when i was scrolling and that was very funny to me yeah um but do you have any last minute thoughts about the show before i give you a few facts before we wrap up i love fun facts um I just think that it's, 
don't know. It's so brilliantly done. And I, I wish we could see it more often. It is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's, it is very long. Um, it is part of that nineties musical thing of having these like three hour musicals, which are an event in itself. I guess we're still kind of seeing that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to see something that really take that takes that on so directly the good and evil mm-hmm. and then you know really implements all of these other like little bits of of life and these um how kind of this good and evil and and how people act and and how people interact all you know affects everything and so um yeah i just mm-hmm. it would definitely be interesting to see to see more of it i would just like to see it in real life yeah um, it's it and not on a it, screen it's one so day, good one day well i will tell you in the past 10 years we have had some very interesting adaptations for better or for worse i don't know i haven't seen them so i don't know but in 2013 at the edinburgh fringe fest jekyll was actually cast as a woman and the take they had was they used the transformation to Edward Hyde as a part of her desire to defy social boundaries. Um, hmm. And Utterson served as her lover and her lawyer uh, while she claims that Hyde is her deformed nephew before admitting the truth. And so I thought that was interesting to see. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a 2022 adaptation by Nail Bartlett that was staged at the Derby Theater and Jekyll and Hyde are actually very minor characters in this one a new character Dr. Stevenson takes the lead and he he's the focus who's investigating all of Hyde's murders interesting um, so they made a character based on the writer Stevenson basically yeah yeah and uh and is oh that's an interesting take mm-hmm because you sort of get that out of the book anyway you don't really mm-hmm. get it you're not getting the direct you know we touched on this you're not getting the direct story from him and so that's even further out of um an indirect oh that's interesting i would totally watch that i would too yeah um also in 2022 there's an adaptation written and directed by kip williams for sydney theater company where they have they feature two actors who are playing multiple characters and they incorporate a blend of live performance and live projections which i know how you feel about that and it ended up touring around perth festival and adelaide festival and so they have two featured characters and a lot of projections so i bet that's very um electronic i don't know if that yeah. i'd like that one as much um well, and it would be interesting to see what they what they used you know yeah because I think sometimes projections can can be really beneficial to mm-hmm. to the show, but I think that people use them lazily often. So I tend not to like them, but it depends. Kind of depends on what you're I doing. I don't so, know if this would be good or bad, but it feels like I'd be going to like an EDM show the way it, like that's what <laughs> I'm picturing and I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, it would be, I'd be interested in hearing more about it, yeah. you know. Yeah, what they did. And, uh, last but certainly not least, in 2023, there was an adaptation by Jennifer Dick, which was performed in Glasgow Botanic Gardens 
for the Bard and the Botanics Festival. And in this version, Jekyll and Hyde are played by two individual actors. Oh. Um, there have uh, also obviously been a ton of films in 2019, right before the pandemic, they were announced a new one. I don't know if that's the one that came through, but in 2021 and in 2023, there were films that came out in the UK for Jekyll and Hyde. I have not seen either. And I didn't do a deep dive or anything, but there are a few move film versions from even earlier than that. Oh, there's like um, 15. There's a ton. Yeah. <laughs> and, t- and TV, uh, mm-hmm. like mini series and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, we can see a ton because it's in the public domain and has been for so like the some of these more recent ones in the last like 20 years or so or actually 40 years or so since it um, became part of the public domain. But yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. So I think that's all I have. And if that's all you have, could you tell everyone where to find us? Yes. You can find us on all social media at unseenartist.org. Make sure it's singular artist. But then if you're going to our website um, or trying to find us uh, or email us, it's uh, unseenartists.org. And then if you want to email us, it's info at unseenartists.org. We welcome all information feedback suggestions criticism whatever if you have thoughts and feelings because we have thoughts and feelings um feel free to share those with us we like to know you know how people find things even if or maybe even especially if you don't like something we would want to know why and what we did and then we'll tell you if you're wrong um (laughs) just kidding uh kind of (laughs) but uh yeah it's um this is something, I don't know, this topic in general, like theater, um, accessibility, diversity, um, representation, all of that is very important to me in particular. Um, I'm very passionate about it. So I want to talk about things that people want to hear about and 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 bring up t- issues that don't get talked about. And so hopefully we'll, we'll start to, f- you know, get more into that as I, I'm trying to get some more people. Also, if you're like uh, interested in coming on the podcast, uh, if you have a background in theater, or even if you don't, if you have a background in something else and you think it's applicable to theater and the things that we're talking about, um, we totally want to hear disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, gosh, so many things. Like, I just have so many ideas of things that I want to talk about and I want to do them justice. So we sort of have been focusing on this like very... I don't know, viewer, audience member kind of thing, because that's what we've been doing right now. But I'm hoping to do a little bit more expansion from that um, coming soon. So stay tuned as we sort of go go with the flow and our gut and our friends. <laughs> see, <laughs> see what we can do. So yeah, um, hit us up, follow us, keep listening. Let us know if you want to hear something. Um, and yeah, as always. We are here. Yeah, we're here. So on that note, I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And we are Unseen Artists. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.